Okay, what is a parable? So parable comes from the Greek parabole, and what it means, uh, bole or bolo, is to throw, and para means close beside. So the word in Greek of parable literally means a throwing beside. So you're, you know, telling a story. The typical understanding of parable, and this has been said by many commentators, is kind of like, oh, well, Jesus is just trying to speak to the common man and tell them stories. But this is, while that's somewhat true, it's not the reason why Jesus switches to parables in Matthew 13. So in Matthew 13, Jesus has the parable of the sower. In verse 3, we see, and he told them many things in parables, in parabole, these casting beside, saying a sower went out to sow, etc. Then the disciples came to him after this parable, he tells, and says, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Okay, wait a second. To you it has been been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. That's a weird reason. For to him who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for him, from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in a parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, You shall indeed hear, but never understand. You shall indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing, and their ears are and their eyes have closed, lest they should perceive with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn for me to heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Wow, okay, so parables, these casting beside. So why is Jesus speaking in parables? So that some people may understand what he's saying and others may not. Now, this is like, why would he need to do this? You know, if we go back to the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 to Matthew 9, Jesus is talking plainly. He's saying, okay, you've heard it said to men of old, you shall not be angry. I'm saying, or, or you shall not kill. Do not murder. I'm saying, don't even be angry, right? You know, you've heard it said to men of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, do not even look lustfully. Okay, but all of a sudden in Matthew 13, we start telling these stories about, you know, sowing seed. We have um, uh, weeds among the wheat and all these images. Well, why is he doing this? Well, he's doing this so that some people may see and perceive the truth that he's saying, and some people may not see the truth that he's saying. Now, why would he do this? Okay, well, you have to go back in Matthew 12. If you guys remember my earlier episode on plucking grain on the Sabbath, the Pharisees have been continually um, opposing Jesus and everything he's doing. And the Pharisees are also following him around because he's getting all this, you know, this traction. So in Matthew 12, right before when he starts using parables, we have the story of the man with a withered hand. So in Matthew 12, verse 10, behold, there was a man with a withered hand and they asked him, the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? Jesus said to them, what man of you, if he has one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to to do good on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and was restored whole like the other. 
But the Pharisees went out and took counsel against him how to destroy him. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) So Jesus heals a man with a withered hand, and the Pharisees, instead of just believing in him, are now going out to destroy him. This, This sets in motion for the rest of Matthew what will eventually lead up to the death and the, uh, the the cross, you know, the passion of Christ. The Pharisees have become so antagonistic to Christ, even the good works that he's doing, they're trying to trap him and then basically plot for his destruction. In verse 22, we have uh, in Matthew 12, a blind and dumb demoniac was brought to him and Jesus healed him so that the dumb man spoke and saw. All the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? So, you know, we got a guy who's pretty down on his luck. Not only is he blind, he can't see, but he's dumb, meaning he can't either hear or speak, and he's filled with a demon. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's, you know, that's pretty down on his luck. <clears throat> and Jesus came and healed him, and the dumb man spoke and saw. The Pharisees heard it and said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Okay, let's take a step back, right? If you're looking at Christ, you know, and you're thinking, okay, well, well, who is this Christ figure? He's claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be the son of David. He's doing all these works. So he heals this man who's blind, dumb, and a demoniac and heals him completely. Okay, there's different interpretations. Maybe he is, you know, well, maybe he's just God. Maybe, you know, he's doing divine things and he's God. Okay, well, the Pharisees aren't going to accept that. Well, maybe he's like a really awesome prophet, you know, and he's doing these great works and he's casting out demons and all this stuff. And he's a great prophet. He's a man of God. No, they're they're not saying that. Well, maybe he's just a good moral teacher and he got lucky this one time. No, they're not saying that. Well, maybe he's a bad man, but God somehow respected him and, and, you know, something happened and God just intervened and it was a mistake, basically. No, they're not saying that. No, they're saying that Jesus healed this blind, dumb demoniac by using the power of the devil, that he cast out demons by the prince of demons. Beelzebul would be another name for for like what we would call like Satan in the Old Testament. Okay. So, I mean, that is the most intense accusation. Like, no, I don't believe you're God. No, I don't believe you're a great prophet. I don't even believe you're a good man. I don't even believe you're just a bad man. I think you are totally possessed by the prince of demons. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your own sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. It's like, not only is this wrong, this is stupid. (laughs) Uh, Like, if Satan's casting out Satan out of, like, if he's casting out his dominion over others and I'm using his power, like, why would Satan do that against Satan? That's that's pretty absurd. And also, if I'm casting out demons by Beelzebul and you're just asserting this, who do your own sons cast them out? So who are the Pharisees and their whole people? How did they cast out demons? Uh, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. 
But if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And there's so many prophecies in the Old Testament about, you know, the coming Messiah being able to cast out the power of the evil one. And demonic possession is definitely one of those, um, one of those things. Isaiah's prophecies talks about it uh, continuously. Or how can one enter a strong man, a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless first he binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Okay. So the strong man's house and his goods are all those under the dominion of Satan. And so what Christ is doing is binding the strong man and plundering, you know, uh, as it's universal salvation. He's trying to save all of mankind. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever says a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Now, I'd love to do a full episode just on this. It's called the unpardonable sin, and we only find it here in Matthew. And it's pretty intense. Like, you know, wait, so you're saying there's a sin that won't be forgiven? Now, to to hint at the answer without completely getting into it, um, he says, whoever says a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So, and this is speaking analogically, if you miss, you know, the Christ, if you miss understand who the Christ is, you know, that can be forgiven man if he doesn't come with full faith. But if you look at the works that Christ does, the good that he's accomplishing, so the good that he's accomplishing here with this blind, blind, dumb demoniac, he's literally healing someone. How can you argue with healing someone? (laughs) How can you argue with bringing someone out of being blind, dumb, and a demoniac. But that's exactly what the Pharisees are doing. Not only are they saying it's not a good thing, they're they're speaking against the Holy Spirit is you're speaking against the good that Christ is doing. You're not just speaking bad about Christ, you're speaking bad about the good. It's an inversion of the good and evil to such a degree that for the Pharisees, evil has become their good and the good has become their evil. Um, Where they're looking at the healing of a blind, dumb demoniac and saying that's not according to the law. Oh, it's absurd. You know, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad and the tree is known by its fruits. You brood of vipers, speaking to the Pharisees, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, men will render account for every careless word they utter. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. So the antagonism here in Matthew 12 is, you know, at an all time high that's going to, you know, be continued. The Pharisees have rejected Christ so much that they're accusing him of being possessed by Satan. Okay. Then when we move to Matthew 13, all of a sudden he starts teaching in parables. And remember, parable comes from parabole, parabole, which is a casting beside. So let's go back in the context of what a parable actually is. In the Old Testament, we have a really famous parable with David, David and Nathan. And we'll continue with this in part two.